Alrighty then, I'm back, and this is Dr. Zom of the Silver and Gold Podcast. And um, just thought I'd jump on here, had a day off, and uh, have not podcasted in a little bit because, I don't know, I started to um, a few weeks ago and then just kind of, it fell through, slipped through the cracks as they say. So I do have uh, several things to uh, report and uh, movies to watch. I found some new movie channels um, that one of them is free and the other one not free but has a lot of good stuff on it. And um, so got a lot to talk about, I guess, there and didn't dare like that and um, need to get a new computer because it's just a pain in the ass and it's become grueling to uh, when I bring up IMDb and put in all these movies. It takes forever because the computer's so old. But anyway, um, not too much going on here. The summer is just flying by and has almost flown by. Uh, Been riding motorcycle just a little bit, not a lot. Um, And not a whole lot of action going on. You know, you need some action in your life. You need some action. Well, there ain't been a whole lot of action. There ain't been. I did get out to the theater, which we'll be talking about a boot here later. Um, so let's get into some movies, and then there'll be some other stuff sprinkled in there, plus some feedback then there like that there toward the end. Uh, I watched a movie. Now, some of these go back a few weeks, so bear with me as far as remembering what the fuck is everything going on here, as I usually have to state. Urgh, my back's fucking stiffer than shit right now so I have to adjust gotta adjust um, the first movie I watched and again as usual I have to think okay did I talk about this one already but I don't think I did because it was quite a while ago um, I watched uh, the movie Tully from 2018 which uh, is directed by Jason Reitman and written by Diablo Cody and uh, my nose is itching now um and um, it stars Charlize Theron, Mackenzie Davis, and Ron Livingston. Predominantly just those three pretty much in the movie. Uh, you do have a few other characters, but um, basically what this one is about is about um, a woman, Charlize Theron, who um, has a baby. And at her age, you know, she's a little bit older, uh, middle age. And her and her husband, Ron Livingston, have a baby and it's just driving her nuts because there's just um, it's overwhelming. And it's really I don't know if it's I'm sure it's bad. I've never had a kid that I know of, (laughs) but um, I know people that I work with that do. And I mean, you know, it's really hard as far as even getting any kind of sleep and and kind of if you if you do have a partner tag teaming you know the uh getting up for the feedings and all that and and then it's still just you know difficult as heck but so she's going through that and they decide to hire a helper and uh basically what that is is the way that it's explained um a night nanny and uh this person comes to their house um say at like nine ten o'clock at night or whenever and they stay up with the baby all night so you can get some sleep and they feed the baby and you know 
they're basically like a midnight shifter. They're up the entire night, uh, so you can actually get some rest and you know get some quality of uh, life and health. Uh, they're basically like tag teaming your baby, but you and your husband. Or I could see it, you know, especially if you were a um, a single parent, uh, how hard that would be. That this would be helpful if you can find somebody that you trust and. Or, you know, that's trustworthy, that has good um, credentials and, um, you know, recommendations and things like that. Um, But it's a pretty good movie as far as that goes. I wasn't sure exactly what it was going to be. And so it was an interesting, I mean, Diablo Cody did like Juno. And and, um, so I I liked that movie. Um, And but this movie and that movie, the first thing you think is, okay, is this like going to be a full blown chick flick? Am I going to be interested in it? You know, or whatever. And, and, uh, I was, I thought it was interesting and, you know, just all the stuff that goes on and everything. And, uh, Ron Livingston, I've always liked him. So, and I've been watching him. I started rewatching a uh, band of brothers and, um, he's not like, he's kind of a peripheral character who, you know, shows up here and there. Um, but anyway, let's see. Let's move on here. The next thing I watched, I, I watched the um, series The Boys. Um, and that got me on Amazon Prime. I have not had Amazon Prime. And just because I saw the trailer for The Boys and I thought it looked really good and interesting and everything, um, I decided to get Prime. And it's kind of paid off because I'll be honest with you. Netflix, there's Netflix has become for me. Um, of course, they have Netflix originals movies that have come out that some of them have been pretty good and some of them are you know worth watching and are okay. Uh, and then they have series and Netflix uh, made for Netflix series, and then they have a lot of um, foreign language films on there. Um, I don't find myself watching unless Netflix, unless there's like a, a, a new movie that they have put out. Uh, usually I don't, Netflix is not a go-to thing for me for, for movies, uh, because I like older movies, um, a lot and they don't seem to have that many of those. And I can't figure out why they, especially with their older movies, like they'll have, um, say they have, let me think what. Just for uh, off the top of my head, say they have Bonnie and Clyde on there, and you think, "Oh, Bonnie and Clyde, I'll watch that." Well, they don't have it, so you can download it and watch it on your iPad. You can only watch it on the TV, and it's weird how they do that. I don't understand why some of them are just streaming, and some of them you can download. Now, anything you download, I mean, you as soon as you start watching it, you have uh, I think twenty four or forty eight hours to. To, f- to finish it, and then it goes away. The download goes away. Um, so I'm not sure why some of the stuff is just streaming. And what sucks is if you're somewhere, which I often am, where you can't stream, you know, you want to have it where you can download the stuff. So anyway, I ended up getting Prime because of the boys. And I watched it, and I thought it was, I thought it was good. Um, I don't think it's, like, fucking great, um, but it was... It was pretty good, and I like the how they you know portray the the soups or the super powered people, and you know if it was like a real in kind of like a very cynical real world kind of a thing where they are you know a lot of them are fucking 
assholes and sociopaths and psychopaths and and um and those are the heroes but they work for the government so you know and then carl urban is in that and he's the main guy they are any way they can whether that means killing them or you know doing whatever they can to and a lot of these people are like you know the main guy um is basically superman i mean he's got all those powers he got laser vision out of his eyes he can hear you know anything he can see through everything but i think lead or whatever and super strong can fly and basically indestructible so and it's like a lot of these superheroes are based on you have one that's like um, aquaman one that's like wonder woman uh and you know visible man or whatever and stuff like that and they kind of have to try and come up with ways to not be found not be discovered and not be um uh, have them find out who they are or what they're doing. But also then if they would happen to manage to, sorry, my mic is fucking flipping all over the place. I got to adjust this thing. One second. Sorry about that. The goddamn microphone right when I was talking, just like flipped over upside down and I'm sure it probably made some noise or whatever. So I'm just trying to get it here in a way that I can actually see my screen and speak at the same time. Um, so the boys is pretty good, but what I was going to say was now that I have Prime, um, there's they have a lot more movies that I hate this fucking mic like. Apologies again. Um, that's fucking irritating. Probably, you know, as irritating for you guys as it is for me. Um, but anyway, I think I have it where I need it now. Um, but the boys is okay. The the But Prime has a lot more like uh, older movies from the you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, or 80s, or whatever, um, and you can download them and things like that. So that's why I have been watching a lot more movies. Plus, then I found a, sh a channel on my uh, Roku called Tubi, T-U-B-I, and uh, they have a lot of movies like that uh, and and newer ones on there that um, you, you stream them on your TV. I haven't tried, I haven't, I think I have the app on my iPad, but I haven't tried. I haven't even looked at it, so I don't know if you can down, uh, throw some commercials in there uh, every once in a while, but not like often. I mean, it's just once in a blue moon they'll have a commercial on there. But uh, I've been watching a lot of stuff on there too. Let's see. Let's move on here. I watched a movie called American Wrestler, The Wizard from 2016, and this is a true story or based on a true story. I'm sure it's all not true. Um, it is directed by Alex Ranavrivello and uh, was written by Ali Afshar and um, Brian Rudnick. And it stars George uh, Kosteros, William Fickner, and Ali Ashar. Afshar. Um, the synopsis of this is, in 1980, a teenage boy escapes the unrest in Iran only to face more hostility in America due to, his, uh, due to the hostage crisis. Determined to fit in, he joins the school's floundering wrestling team. Um, it's pretty good. I remember seeing the trailer for it a long time ago, and it showed up on iTunes. Or, um, I think it was iTunes. And I, or maybe it might, it might have been Netflix, but anyway, it's it, one of one of those channels. And I thought, oh man, I wanted to watch this, but I wasn't sure if it was going to be any good. It's pretty good because, again, um, his 
this uh, guy, Ali Afshar, that his family got him out of Iran. And uh, he came to the United States and the hostage crisis where uh, the Iranians took all the, the uh, American embassy and everybody inside of it hostage. And so, I mean, the, you know, racism and everything is just stoked to the max. Um, almost like after 9-11, if you were, you know, from the Middle East or had, I mean, there wasn't even, there were people that weren't even from the Middle East, but that were just like Sikhs and things like that, that if people thought you were from the Middle East uh, or, you know, or from Iraq or uh, Afghanistan or wherever, you know, that people were getting beat up and, and terrorized over here. And it's sort of the same thing here. And he comes to America and lives with his uncle. And then, you know, he goes to school and everybody just, you know, doesn't want anything to do with him. Plus, it's just a, a cultural thing. Um, and he doesn't fit in. It's really frustrating for him. And so he wants to fit in. So he, like, tries out for the basketball team. He ends up going to the, you know, high school wrestling team. And uh, William Fickner is his, um, is the coach. And it's a pretty good story, and uh, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good, and I, the, and John Voight is in it too. Um, the guy goes on to become like a famous amateur wrestler. I think I'm trying to think if he went to Iowa or what um, actual college he went to, but he's he became re- really really good. So this is one worth checking out, even if you have no interest at all in like uh, uh, like amateur wrestling or anything like that. It's still a pretty good movie, and it has a good message. I liked it. Uh, next thing I watched was a, a movie that has two titles. Uh, uh, the original title was Deadline, and the other title, which is what it was when I watched it, was uh, Witness in the War Zone from 1987, and uh, this stars Christopher Walken. It was directed by Nathaniel Gutman and written by Hanan Paled. And, um, you know, Christopher, I think this is one of the few Christopher Walken movies from the time back when like the deer hunter and, um, dogs of war and, um, you know, his big run in, you know, uh, um, movies that, you know, his big time when he really hit it big that I haven't seen. So it showed up on one of these streaming uh, sites and I decided to watch it. I think this was on Tubi. And um, to be honest with you, it, it falls into the category of those movies like uh, Salvador and the one with Nick Nolte and Ed Harris and Gene Hackman. Can't remember what that one was called, but uh, the you know, movies about um, war uh, correspondence. And um, but it's worth watching. But it's it takes place in Beirut. Um, and you know, in Lebanon, when uh, there's a shitload of violence going on, and it is an education because there is like the government-sponsored, uh, I think, Christian um, military and and kind of goon squads and stuff like that, and then the you know the Muslim side, and and then the Americans are thrown in there, different factions going at it and everything. But to be honest with you, it's it's worth watching uh, just to watch the, 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 the main thing other than finding out about that conflict because I didn't know shit about it other than 
Uh, the Americans had, you know, their embassy over there and a bunch of Marines in this barracks. Uh, a suicide bomber drove a truck and blew them all up and everything. And then Reagan said, let's get the fuck out of here. You know, we're just, our guys are just getting killed for, for nothing. You know, they're kind of in the middle of a of uh, civil war or whatever. So anyway, um, but what I was going to say was it's it's good to watch to find out about that conflict, but it's not a very good movie, and it's fun to watch to watch Christopher Walken fucking overact like crazy. And somebody else asked me about it, and I said uh, another thing to watch is to get you get to watch Christopher Walken run, and if you have seen Steven Seagal run and you thought that was funny. Watch Christopher Walken run. And like I said, he just fucking overacts. He does the full-blown Christopher Walken uh, shit that they made fun of, you know, uh, people that do impersonations of him uh, do. So anyway, but, you know, like I said, it's worth a watch. It's rated R2 for lots of violence. Uh, McBain. <laughs> Let's see. Except, uh, I would say McBain is is worse. But you know, McBain is uh, kind of that so bad it's good kind of a deal. If you go into into that movie with that attitude, you'll you probably won't be as disappointed as I was when I first saw it. What the fuck is this? Oh, nothing. It's funny how IMDb works when you're trying to find something. Especially, I was looking it up under the the title deadline and it would not come up at all. So I had to find the um, alternate title. I uh, watched a movie called Chasing Bullet from 2018, uh, written and directed by Joe Eddy. And it stars Jan Broberg, Andre Brooks, Dorian Cirillo Murray. And um, I'll be honest with you, when I first saw somebody posted this and that they had watched it and I thought, okay, I don't know if I'm going to like this or not. I thought it was going to be a, shitty low budget uh kind of a movie um about steve mcqueen but not like kind of kind of steve mcqueen as a character instead of like a bio and it turned out to be pretty good the guy looks like steve mcqueen a lot and um when i was watching it i have read um a book about Steve McQueen by his ex-wife, Neil, who was, you know, he was married to her when they first started out in, in show business and they were both really young and he wasn't, uh, he was a nobody. And I think at, at one time at the beginning of his career, she was actually more famous than he was. They both were on just breaking in, but she was more well known as a dancer and a, a singer or in a dancer and stuff like that. And, um, but, I read her book about Steve McQueen, and then when I was watching this movie, I thought, okay, this book has to be based on her, or this movie has to be based on her book, because there's a lot of, I mean, the the entire thing is almost like, it says, you know, written by Joe Eddy, but I'm pretty sure that he read that fucking book, uh, because it's, all the flashbacks and all the stuff like that is straight out of her book uh, and uh, uh, about their relationship and everything. And then it kind of is like Steve McQueen is at a ra- at a racetrack driving this car. And then, he, uh, or as like I said, when they, when him and Neil were 
really young, just getting in the business uh, to, you know, um, when they're having shitloads of relationship problems and all the stuff that he did to cause all this shit. And, and then, but he's driving along and he picks up, it's, it's kind of like not a road picture, but you know, he's driving along and, uh, things stimulate his memory and then picking up hitchhiker and this and that. Uh, but I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Uh, if you're, if you're a Steve McQueen fan, you know, I thought it was, it's still, I think a low budget movie, but it's, I thought it was pretty good and pretty true to, you know, what, what happened in his life. Uh, let's see. I watched a documentary called Life After Flash, and this is a um, a uh, documentary about Sam J. Jones and when he. Well, it's you know Sam J. Jones. How being in the movie Flash, what it was like when he was in the movie Flash, uh, and then also. Um, how that affected him and all the stuff that, you know, how he had to adjust his, his life. And the thing that it reminds me of is like a football player that has, you know, played, which he did play football and I think he played for the jets. Um, but like a football player that gets injured or say they're, they're washed up after, uh, four years in professional football. And some of them just cannot give it up and they can't adjust to a normal, a normal life. Like I might have to go out and get a fucking job. And, um, there's a lot of stuff about Sam J. Jones in this that I didn't know. Um, especially, well, you know, both as a famous person on the set of flash and how that movie was made and some of the shit that went on there. Um, and then not only that, but, um, all the stuff that happened to him after that movie. And he had a pretty interesting life and got a pretty interesting job that kind of surprised me. And I found out, and that job with through by when they were talking about that job, uh, they mentioned something about his, you know, previous life before he had become famous. And I think, it, I don't know if it was before football professional football or after professional football or what that he had been in like the uh, United States Marine Corps and all that. So it was pretty interesting. Um, and he seems like a pretty nice guy. I, I, you know, went to several, um, movie conventions and stuff, and I don't know if I've ever been to one that he was at, but he seems like a pretty cool guy that, uh, that you'd want to meet. And he's one of those guys that he says, as long as there's somebody, you know, if, if they had, if they had it set up and they said, okay, you're Sam J. Jones is going to be signing autographs from, uh, noon until two o'clock or something like that. He said, I don't go by that. He said, you know, when I go, if there's a line, he said, I'll stay all day until the last person's thing is signed. And, the, and I get to talk to the last person. So I think that's pretty cool because there's a lot of them and, and you can understand how, you know, my God, some of them don't want to, sit there all fucking day or they might have other things to do but i think it's pretty cool that you know somebody would sit there and say okay this person he said you know i've had people that have have driven like 500 miles or whatever or you know a, a really long way uh, and they'll say you know i came this far to see you and to get your autograph and to talk to you or whatever and then there's some people that'll just get up and leave and that helped him turn uh, so that's a pretty good documentary life after flash 
Next thing, I watched a movie called Death Kiss from 2018. And um, this is, if you've seen, uh, if you're on Facebook or Twitter or whatever or on the Internet, you've seen this uh, probably a movie poster. Uh, this has this guy that looks ex- pretty much exactly like Charles Bronson. This uh, actor na- named Robert Bronzy. And that's not his real name. He has a different name, but of course, Bronzy like Bronson. Erp. This is kind of a, you know, a Charles Bronson movie um, made with a guy who looks just like uncannily, not just the face, but, um, you know, the way he walks and everything. And I think that I think that with the mustache and the way they have his hair, it definitely makes him look more like Charles Bronson. Um, But just the way his he's built and the way he walks and everything is like fucking Bronson. Um, it's a really low budget movie and I, I compared it kind of to a, like, a as far as how it's made and everything and how cheap it is to like hobo with a shotgun, it's not as over the top as hobo with a shotgun. Although the, um, the bullet hits are fucking hilariously huge. Um, but the one thing I was going to say about this movie and I liked the movie, I thought it was very entertaining. The one thing that, that kind of kills it for me a little bit um, I think this guy is from like Hungary or I don't somewhere. He's I don't know if he has a foreign accent in real life. It seemed to me like they dubbed his voice, and um, the it would have been better almost if they would have had him not speak in the fucking movie, because the the voice whether it's his voice or whether it was a dubbed voice, which I think it's it seems like it's it's like a dubbed voice because it doesn't seem like his voice. Uh, it did revel in three o'clock high and in kindergarten cop, the bad guy in kindergarten cop and Daniel Baldwin. And I was watching it and Daniel Baldwin kind of plays like a, Oh, I don't know if like maybe like an, either an Alex Jones or a Rush Limbaugh kind of a, a, um, DJ or an internet, you know, podcaster, I guess. But when he was talking, I was thinking, okay, I didn't look and see the cast. And I was like, he sounded so much like Alec Baldwin, but then I was like, okay, is this Billy Baldwin or Alec Baldwin? Or I didn't think it was Alec because he's, you know, usually makes like top level stuff. And I thought, you know, and then I was Daniel Baldwin. I used to watch him on TV and that's who it is, but he was pretty good. And the movie's good. I, uh, like I said, it's not, it's not the greatest fucking movie in the world, but I, I, I was definitely entertained by it. And if they make some more with this, uh, Robert Bronzy and he plays like the Charles Bronson character, um, you know, that's cool. I'd watch it. I watched another movie. Well, I know I, I finally polished off the last season of the TV show justified with Timothy Oliphant. And, uh, this season, um, Sam Elliott is like the main villain, but I started out. I like, I was telling, I think Dave Mack, um, I've liked the series throughout. And for some reason I just kept, I even bought this on DVD and I just never got around to watching it because my, one of my friends said, uh, well, Sam Elliott's in the last season. You got to watch it. Um, Timothy Oliphant is great in this. He is the, as Raylan Givens, the U S uh, or Marshall, he's awesome. Uh, and has so much charisma and everything. And Sam Elliott was really good. The villains are, are really good in this. Um, but I swear to God by, you know, not even halfway through, 
the guy that plays uh, Boyd Crowder and um, let's see, what's his name here? Boyd is Walton, Walton, Walton Goggins. Okay, now I've seen him in other TV shows and other movies, and I, you know, I don't hate him or anything. In this show, from the from season one, I can't stand him, and it's not the character, um, per se. It's the way he fucking talks and acts in this movie, in this TV show, and then. Ava Crowder is played by uh, Joelle Carter, and I got literally to the point where, with both of them, I wanted to take ice picks and stab them in my ears. She talked like this all the time. I don't know what you're doing, Raylan. You're going to come over here and save me. Boy, it's coming. I'm real scared, Raylan. It's awful. I mean, I'm so scared. He's coming. I just don't know what I'm going to do, Raylan. And she's good looking and everything, but that voice, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. And then the relationship between her and Boyd Crowder is makes me fucking want to vomit. It was just nauseating. And it was almost a grind to get to the last. If I could have cut them out of the entire fucking show, it, I don't think it was as bad in the first season or maybe the first, I, I was irritated by Boyd and the way he talks. Everybody else on the show dressed a certain way, but the way he dressed, the way he wore his hair, and the way he talked, it was so obnoxious and just so fucking annoying. And then I've got uh, Ava Crowder. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll go in here and fuck someday. I don't know. You know, right and coming over here. I hope you don't shoot you, Boyd, coming in. You know, it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. So those two right there just made me want to fucking vomit. I like the show all the way through. Timothy Oliphant is awesome. And if he played that in movies and everything else, it would be awesome because uh, the uh, Raylan Givens character and just the way Timothy Oliphant is, he's got so much charisma. But those other two, Jesus fucking Christ. Ugh. I was I, I was literally hoping that they would die in every episode, every scene. Um, I watched, uh, this is a rewatch, of course, from 1979, North Dallas 40, uh, written by Peter Gent and, uh, directed by Ted Kotcheff. And it stars Nick Nolte, Mac Davis, Charles Durning, uh, who else is in this song, bitch? Uh, Bo Svensson, John Matuzak, uh, Steve Forrest, G.D. Spradlin, Dabney Coleman. It's got a whole bunch of people in it. Uh, of course, I'm a. I've talked about this movie before. I'm a big Dallas Cowboy fan. Have always been, and <coughs> um, the one thing about this movie is it. Did, and when I was reading about it, you know, I've read a lot about Earth and the real guys and you know their lives and everything. But uh, as far as the movie goes, it was a fairly low budgeted movie. And, um, like when they were playing in the championship game at the end of the movie, I never noticed this because, you know, it's, it's, it's dark and everything and the field is lit, but there was nobody. I mean, there's nobody in the stands. Uh, the, the, the stands are like almost black. You can't see, but when they made the movie, it was such a low, you know, a lower budget movie that they didn't get a whole bunch of extras or do anything like that. 
Um, but it's pretty good and it's fairly entertaining. I think it's one of the better, you know, f- uh, football movies as far as kind of comedy drama and exposing, um, you know, the drugs and the sex, the debauchery and everything that went on. And there's still guys today, uh, you know, from that team that swore up and down that that shit didn't happen. But what's funny is they'll interview other guys that were on that fucking team, that exact team, and you can find YouTube clips, and the guys will be like, yeah, that's exactly the way it was. When this guy was, uh, you know, throwing a TV off the balcony into the swimming pool, that was so-and-so, and doing drugs, and, you know, getting shot up, and doing steroids, and having orgies, and, and screwing all these women and everything. They said, that, yeah, yeah, he was not making this shit up. That's how it was. And it wasn't just on the Cowboys. It was on... Every team, but they had, you know, their back then they had more. You, you didn't hear about a lot of this shit, and it would be covered up, um, you know, like public relations kind of thing. That's why it always surprised me when you would see pictures nowadays of like a quarterback, like Len Dawson or somebody, or Fred Bolitnikoff, uh, you know, wide receiver from the Raiders, and you'd hear about like them smoking, like chain smoking in the locker room, or, you know, I, I, I you know, there's pictures of, pro football players back in like the fifties and sixties sitting on the sidelines, smoking a cigarette, you know? So it's kind of, you know, they, like I said, they just kind of covered it up. I remember back in those days, I, I think I might've related this before, but like my parents, if it was Led Zeppelin or anybody, any rock and roller that had long hair, uh, you know, they were all druggies and they're all on drugs and they're all high and they're crazy. Cause they're so fucked up on drugs. But they would think that, you know, but the country stars, you know, they just drink beer and maybe whiskey and stuff like that. But they don't get they don't do those drugs. Well, then you find out when all these guys started putting out their biographies and these are country acts from like the 50s and 60s and stuff that they were doing cocaine and taking pills and smoking pot and everything else. It was just a a naive, naive tay that, you know, you just didn't know these things. And it's the same way with the gay culture. Um and I've said this before on the show and people, people that I tell now that didn't grow up in that era. When I say we did not know that Elton John or that Elton John was gay or Freddie Mercury or even the village people when they first came out and they're like, Oh, what the no fucking way. And I'm telling you, nobody knew. Of course it came out later, but that shit was covered up. You know, my sisters and my mom and them, oh, my God, that, that construction worker on the village people, he is so hot. He's so good looking. One of my good friends in, in um, uh, high school, junior high and high school and everything, thought Fre- Freddie Mercury was her dream man. And, again, I've, I know I've mentioned this on the show. If you watch the old TV show One Day at a Time, Valerie Bertinelli's character, Barbara Jean Cooper, had a poster on her wall of Elton John, and she would kiss it before she went to bed. She loved Elton John. She, that was her dream man. You know, not just she liked his music, but she she wanted to marry Elton John. So, you know, it was just, a, again, like Rock Hudson back in the day or whatever. It was just na- a naive thing. Um, so North Dallas 40, I really like it. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else about that. When I, I watched several uh, clips of Mac Davis uh, had a TV show a variety show and him on there singing. And then, uh, he, he wrote a lot of songs for, um, Elvis, like in the ghetto as the snow flies on a cold and gray Chicago morning, another little baby child is born in the ghetto. And so anyway, he, he talks about when he first met Elvis and everything. There's some good clips on there of that and him. And he had several 
songs himself that were hits and uh, a lot of funny songs. And then uh, one of the big things that back in the day was I'm trying to think, I think that there was a love triangle between Mac Davis, Glenn Campbell, and I think Mac Davis's wife, and he wrote a song about her, and I can't remember what the song was. And it was a big hit. And he say, you know, it was one of those deals where he would say, like John Denver's the song Annie, Annie song. You know, he would be like, you know, I wrote this for my lovely wife Annie. Well, Mac Davis wrote a song, and he would always say, I wrote this about my beautiful wife, blah 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 blah, whatever her name was. And um, but then she ended up cheating on him and leaving him for like Glenn Campbell or something like that. So anyway, it's kind of funny, funny story. Uh, the love triangle. Back in the day. And um, Glenn Campbell was also fucking Tanya Tucker, country singer who did uh, Delta Dawn, what's that flower you have on? And she's in a movie I'm going to be talking about coming up. <laughs> it all comes together on Sullivan Gold. Uh, I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get um, warmed up here. Not my vocal cords. I'm getting that scratchy crap. Um, I watched a movie called Enigma from 1982 um, directed by Jeannot Schwark and written by Michael Barak and John Briley and it stars uh, Martin Sheen and Sam Neill and Bridget Fossey Uh, this is a pretty good movie I saw it a lot and Michael Lonsdale is in this too but the thing about Michael Lonsdale in this is they dub his voice and um, I don't know if it's because he he at the time couldn't speak English or if he, you know, they just didn't like his voice. Uh, so it's that's that's a little bit distracting. Um, but I saw this a long, long time ago when it first came out on VHS in the early 80s. And uh, I thought it was pretty good, but I haven't seen it in quite a while. And um, Martin Sheen um, had left the... Soviet Union I'm trying to think let me think and then they want him to go back and it has to do with the Enigma like decoding machine or you know encryption machine and and there's kind of a a twist kind of a twist thing because it's a basically a spy movie but they the CIA ask him to go back into um, East Berlin uh, and um you know do some skullduggery of course now they are he he like i was going to say in the other movie i was talking about how um uh daniel baldwin's character was kind of like a rush limbaugh character well in this one martin sheen is a um uh not a dj but a radio broadcaster and he is like a famous dissident and but no but um the other side doesn't know what he looks like so the cia want him to go back into you know communist communist occupied country and uh i can't, that's the thing i can't remember i th- i'm pretty sure he goes into eastern east berlin but i'm i'm i I'm, cuz this was a few weeks ago I'm trying to think if he actually went into um, Russia. I think that it was into, you know, East Germany. 
So anyway, but anyway, he goes in there and it's kind of like almost like a master of disguise kind of a thing. And Sam Neill is, you know, a commie, um, um, anti spy <laughs> or, a, you know, basically kind of like a cop. Um, uh, but he's trying to figure out who Martin Sheen is and they're doing like a manhunt and at every train station, every, you know, they're, they're checking all the people's credentials and everything. And then he goes back and, and, um, his, I think it's his ex-girlfriend or ex-wife is there. And he, he contacts her of course, cause he hasn't seen her in years because he had escaped. So it's a pretty good, pretty intense, um, spy uh, movie and Martin Sheen, of course, is always good. Sam Neill is really good, and he's pretty young in this one. I would recommend this one. It's not great, but it's it, like you said, if you if you like spy movies, it's pretty good. Uh, watch Chinatown again from 1974, uh, directed by Roman Polanski and written by Robert Town, starring Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, John Huston. Roman Polanski is actually in it. Um, Diane Ladd. Who else is in this song, bitch? Bruce Glover. I was going to, I was trying to think of Crispin Glover's dad. Um, but this is of course a, a legendary movie and I would say probably a 10. I was going to ask on the group the other day, um, do a, if you, if you had to choose, uh, between the Godfather or Chinatown, which one would you pick? I might do that anyway. Now that I think about it, I forgot about it. Uh, of course, we've all probably seen this a million times, and it's just a great movie. Uh, kind of goes along with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because Roman Polanski did direct this, and the character of Roman Polanski is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I'll be talking about that here in a little bit. Burp. Uh, I thought this was really good. Nicholson's really good. And it also, uh, the movie I watched after this, I feel is a little bit of a companion piece. Uh, I like these movies about the uh, kind of seedy side with a um, gumshoe kind of a detective or a cop, hard-boiled cop or whatever, um, kind of a noir throwback. Uh, but this is really good, and I it, it definitely, you know, even though I've seen it before, it was worth watching again, and I'll watch it again eventually. Uh, but the other movie that I watched, uh, this was took place or was made um, – if Chinatown was 1974, this movie was made in 1981, but has two iconic uh, actors coming off of, you know, some of their biggest success. And they're linked by the Godfather movies, uh, even though they didn't. I don't think they shared any scenes at all uh, in the Godfather movies. Uh, and that is True Confessions from 1981. Uh, it was directed by Ulu Grossbard. And uh, directed by John Gregory Dunn. That, he did the novel and uh, da, 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 in the screenplay. Um, but it also has Charles Durning in it. He's always really good. Bruce, or, uh, not Bruce Willis. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Willis. Um, Burt Reynolds really used Charles Durning a lot. And there was another movie I just watched recently that he... Oh, North. he was in North Dallas 40. I was going to say Charles Durning uh, was in a lot of fucking movies. Ed Flanders, um, Burgess Meredith... But anyway, I saw this movie a long time ago, and I think the first time and maybe even like the second time I watched it, you know, when you see um, Duvall and uh, Robert De Niro, and this is in their heyday when they were, you know, the shit, both of them, um, 
and you think, oh my God, I want to watch this movie. And not only that, but the movie revolves around the, um, Robert is a mover and a shaker in the Catholic diocese in Los Angeles at that time. And so the connection, of course, you have almost like a, well, first of all, it's cool to see those two together acting in scenes together. And they really get the time period down great, uh, all the costumes, all the cars and everything, and just how everything looks and how everything's set up is really good. Um, but you have like the kind of sort of polar opposites, but not so opposite because in some ways they're extreme opposites because of course De Niro's character is a priest. So he's a, you know, prim proper following the Catholic doctrine and everything. And Robert De Niro is a foul, his brother, but he's like foul mouth. He goes to prostitutes and this and that. And he works on the seedy side of, you know, sees the seedy side of humanity. But then as they're almost opposites, you have the, in a way, not so opposite, but still opposite. I don't know how I'm trying to put this. Okay. Duvall's character, like I said, foul mouth, goes to prostitutes, this and that. De Niro's character would never swear, um, you know, is a priest and everything that that entails. But Duvall's character almost kind of has like a heart of gold and doesn't give a shit whose feathers he ruffles. Um, whereas De Niro's character, even though he represents God and everything, he is a total bureaucrat and he plays the game and he looks the other way and also works with the really white collar sort of white collar scumbags you know the one guy that he that that that, that is doing all this work for the church and and uh, um donating all this money and everything to their church which um De Niro's character facilitates and everything <clears throat> arranges was once a really, really bad guy, a real, real scumbag, a real, real bad guy, but he's kind of put up a, uh, a coat of paint on himself and some varnish and, you know, people still know who he was and that he's can be a dangerous guy and everything, but he's gotten, he's gotten more on the, like I said, like maybe like a white collar kind of a thing. But Duval's character used to work for him. So he knows he's a piece of shit and he'll call him out right to his face, which is bad. So I like that, you know, brother kind of Cain and Abel kind of a thing, but it's not in some ways, it's not so certain who's Cain and who's Abel. So that's pretty cool. I know a lot of people. And again, I, when I watched the first couple of times I watched this, I was really disappointed. And, uh, you know, you think with the black Dahlia kind of a, you know, the murder thing, going on you I wanted it to be something else and because I had seen the Godfather and I was a big fan of both of these guys I wanted it to be better and I wanted it to be more but then I watched it this time and I really enjoyed it because I kind of put that that those expectations to the side because I knew 
that it, that's not what it was and that's not what it was going to be no matter how many times I watch it. And I watched it for what it was and I read some more about it. And, um, and so I actually enjoyed it a lot more this time and would rate it a lot higher. And again, I think it's, it's, it's hard for anybody to watch this and not say, well, it's slow moving and it's not what I expected or it's not, you know, I didn't think it was that good, but I enjoyed it a lot more this time. And I would probably watch it again if I was still buying movies. I would probably buy this one if they had it on Blu-ray. I think they both do a really good job, and I just like the, all the performances all the way around. And it's kind of hard to <laughs> it's kind of hard after you do the Godfather one and two to uh, you know come back and say, oh, okay. You know, it's like you're setting the bar pretty fucking high. I uh, watched a movie, well, I guess De Niro wasn't, well, was he, in, he wasn't even in one. He was in two, <laughs> but not in a scene with De Niro. Anyway, I watched 1994's Intersection, uh, directed by Mark Rydell and written by David Rayfiel and Marshall Brickman. And uh, this stars Richard Gere, Sharon Stone, and Lolita Davidovich. This is a Richard Gere movie that kind of I always passed by and it kind of fell through the cracks and probably like Sharon Stone, too, because at this time when I was saying about how De Niro and um, Duval were in their prime or Christopher Walken was in his prime. Well, this is back when um, Sharon Stone was like, you know, the hottest fucking thing in Hollywood. Uh, and, and Lolita Davidovich was really uh, a hot one at this time, too. But, you know, after Basic Instinct, it was hard to, you know, Sharon Stone could have done anything she wanted to. And then, you know, uh, the uh, Casino, she was really great in that, too. But I always pass this one by, and I like Richard Gere, and I've, you know, watched, Jesus Christ, I think probably just about everything he's in. I still have not seen that movie where he goes to China and is arrested as a political undesirable or whatever. I still need to watch that Red Square, I think is what it's called. This one's pretty good. It's um it's not great. It, I, and I think some of these some of these channels like Tubi or uh, uh like maybe some of the ones on Prime and things like that are do rate on the um or that that channel that I always talk about watching called This T H I S. Um they have these movies that aren't they're not great. Uh, they're, you know, kind of forgotten. And I think the reason that they're, they kind of went to the wayside or didn't get put out on DVD, or if they did, they've kind of like Warner classics, you know, the ones that kind of fell through the cracks and then they put them back out. These are those, those kind of movies, even like uh, true confessions, sort of the same thing where it kind of fell off the radar because it's not a great movie, but they, uh, they all end up being interesting movies after the fact, you know, you go back and watch them. And I thought this one was pretty good again. Uh, a little bit, maybe a little bit average or maybe just a little bit above average. Um, the thing about this one is it's um, more of kind of like a relationship kind of a thing uh, where Gear and Sharon Stone are married and they work together, even, uh, I think, in her dad's business and they have a good life, lots of money and everything. But then he meets Lolita Davidovich and is having kind of a thing. And, and him and Sharon Stone's relationship is strained anyway. They're having some problems and they're at a point in their relationship where it's starting to kind of fizzle. Um, and then he meets Lolita Davidovich and he starts, uh, 
getting involved with her to start with just meeting her, seeing her, there's a mutual attraction and everything. And then, um, not just jumping right into bed, but, you know, actually developing a relationship while he's still married. And, but he, but Sharon Stone, I think kind of wants them to stay together. But then when he tries to initiate things, she's like, you know, don't, you know, they're going on. He wants like, she's getting ready for a party or something. And, they're both getting ready and he goes over and she looks really hot. And so he wants to fuck and she's like, Oh, don't mess up my makeup. And then of course he's just like, Jesus fucking Christ. So, you know, it's, it's the fizzling of a relationship, which kind of sucks to watch. And then even him being pulled, even though when he goes with Lolita Davidovich and they start hitting it off and she really likes him. And, and then it's kind of like, he's still being pulled back and do I really want to do this? And is this just a fling? So in, in some ways, you know, you watch it and you're like, oh, my God, this is, just, I, you know, I've been in situations like that and it's just rough. And then it's rough to watch, but it's it's pretty dead on. The ending is pretty good. Um, and that sort of I, I don't know if I would say it it added a, a lot to it. Um, but anyway, if you want to watch this one again. Uh, I would recommend just watching it. It's not like anything. It's not a great movie or anything, but it's worth a watch. Especially if you're a gear completionist. I watched Haywire again from 2011. I talked about this one. Steven Soderbergh, uh, written by Lem, Do- Lem Dobbs and stars Gina Carano. Uh, Ewan McGregor, Michael Fassbender, uh, Michael Douglas, uh, Antonio Banderas. That cast is just about Bill Paxton. Uh, and then it also has uh, Tatum Channing in it, <laughs> and he's not bad. He's not good in it though. I mean, he's good because he is young and he's has that physicality and everything. But his acting was pretty shitty. Um, again, I like this movie. Soderbergh did a good job. The music and it's really good. The action sequences are excellent. Gina Carano was excellent in this. I thought. Uh, and uh, you know, I've like I said, I've talked about it before. The the fight scenes, the just the stunts and everything. Just a, uh, I, I must like it. I've watched it fucking probably 20 fucking times. But we won't talk too much more about that one. I watched Necessary Roughness from 1991. Make sure this thing's taping. And uh, <laughs> recording. I'm sorry. There's no tape. Um, ni- Necessary Roughness from 1991. And this is directed by Stan Drogati and written by Rick Natkin and David Fuller stars uh, Scott Bakula, Hector Elizondo, who I always like, uh, Robert Loja also has Kathy Ireland in it, Sinbad is in it, Fred Dalton Thompson, who ran for like fucking president, Rob Schneider, Jason Bateman. Um, you know, to be honest with you, this is kind of like a fluff kind of a. It seems like more like an 80s movie, but uh, like the replacements with Hackman and Keanu Reeves or something like that, which I thought was better than this. Um, This one's just kind of, you know, lighthearted and you can't take it too seriously. But, you know, I'm watching it and I'm like, you know, this is it's it's silly, but it's not that great. Uh, The comedy isn't that great. And, you know, you got Sinbad in there, you know. I don't know. Scott Bakula's got some charisma. Kathy Ireland's all, she's really good looking, but you know, and I know what they were going for there. She becomes, she's like a soccer player and they hire her or not hire her, but recruit her to be like the kicker on the team. So you have that dynamic of this really hot chick. And, um, 
but this one is one that you know if you're watching it and it's on TV and there's it, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen but it's you know pretty I don't know not my thing uh, watch 1992's In the Soup uh, directed by Alexandra Rockwell uh, written by Solas Mitchell as Tim Kizzle I guess I don't know why and uh, also written by Alexandra Rockwell, who's the director. It stars Steve Buscemi, Seymour Casal, Jennifer Beals. Got a whole bunch of people that make appearances. Uh, Will Patton. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Jim Jarmusch. Carol Kane. Stanley Tucci. Um, Sam Rockwell. Um, this is pretty quirky. I think we reviewed this on the show. Um, it reminded me kind of like almost like a Jarmusch uh, kind of a... I'm trying to think who the other... Oh, I think it was him. But it kind of reminds me of like one of his movies. Casal and um, um, Steve Buscemi have a pretty funny relationship. And that's more because of Casal because he's so quirky and weird. Um, Buscemi is like a filmmaker and he wants to... like he's He takes himself... Uh, not, he's an amateur filmmaker who wants to be like the next thing. Uh, um, and he kind of hooks up with Seymour Casal somehow who says like almost like at a drop of a hat, I want to back your movie, whatever it is, I want to back it, you know? And it's kind of like, he's sort of like an underworld kind of a guy, but he wants to throw some money away, like either launder it or have a tax write off or whatever. But he's always fucking with Buscemi like, uh, in a, um, I don't want to say like homosexual advances, but he's just teasing him and joking around, I think. <laughs> so that's pretty funny because um, it's just like so out of the blue, you know. Uh, Buscemi will be like laying in bed and he'll wake up and Cassell will have snuck into his apartment and be like laying beside of him like like uh, chewing on his ear or whatever, licking his ear or something like that. And when he wakes up, he's like, he's dreaming and thinking it's like a girl. And when he wakes up and he's like, oh my, what the fuck? So anyway, it's pretty amusing. Uh, this one is above average as far as being just kind of quirky and amusing. And like I said, I think we did review that on the show. So I'll have to go back and look and find the... Um, the uh, link and maybe post it on the group. I might have already done that. I can't remember. Fucking stuffy in here. Jesus Christ. Hang on a second. Let me go turn the air conditioner on or something. Daddy-o. Give you guys a chance to take a break. Jesus Christ. I was going to say, <laughs> I need to, I need to motor through the rest of this because I, I want to go to the store. Um, my one dog chief is like 16 years old and uh, it's hard to, to keep his weight on, keep his weight up. And uh, he's getting pretty, you know, skin and bone. So I've been feeding him a lot of just like people food, which right now his he he eats dog food too, I think. And uh, but he is on a steady diet of fucking hot dogs and um, like uh, fucking sugar cookies and pieces of pepperoni and cheese and stuff like that. And I have some uh, soft dog food too that I give him that to eat. But I'm just trying to get him to eat anything. You know, a lot of anything. He's very, like I said, he, 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 I was going to say when we got in, I, when we, when I got him in 2003, um, you know, he was a little fat chubby puppy. Um, uh, 
not like a not newborn, but he was, you know, not even a year old. Uh, probably just a, I don't know how many months. Um, but you know, so we got him uh, uh, around Christmas or I think I got him Christmas Eve. And, um, so it's like having a, a, um, senior citizen in your home. He can't see real well, can't hear real well, sleeps really, really deep. Um, he does get bursts of energy. As far as standing up, his balance isn't that great. Like when he's walking around, he'll walk around in circles and then, you know, uh, have to lean on things a lot. Like if he's walking through the living room and he stops, he'll lean on the coffee table and, of course, knock fucking shit off the coffee table or off the TV stand or, you know, the other day I just sat down, got perfect position, got comfortable and was eating my breakfast and I heard this crash and he had was in the kitchen and, He'll stick his head in something and be leaning, and then, of course, the cord for my cell phone that was plugged in, he got it, He came in the living room with that wrapped around his neck, dragging my cell phone, and it had unplugged and everything. So, But anyway, again, just trying to get him to eat, and I'm out of hot dogs, and I'm getting low on cookies, and I need some popcorn for myself, and now I'm going down my grocery list <laughs> of shit that I need to get at, uh, at the store from guacamole. And I know every time I mention like guacamole or hummus, you know, online, somebody will say, oh, you know, you don't have to buy that. You can make your own. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I bought some guacamole and it's really good. And uh, that's good for your heart. I had some stuff here. I, I was going to say I hadn't talked to you guys. Um, I had some problems. And I think that's why I didn't record last time because I got sidetracked. Um, I had a, my regular doctor's appointment and I went and my blood pressure was like sky fucking high. And, um, and, uh, you know, I'm taking medication for it and I'm, and I'm not eating anything differently, but I had noticed that I hadn't been feeling like that great. Like I didn't want to do anything. I was just like, lay, like I'd come home and pretty much just lay around and then go to sleep until it was time to go to work again. And it was just cause I didn't have, I don't think I had a lot of energy and um and it just didn't feel good well that's probably why so they they and it worried the shit out of me cuz it's like what the fuck's going on cuz it was really high and so he changed my prescription up and now it's fucking better than it's ever been i think it's better than when i was fucking healthy uh with this prescription so i've been eating a lot of um and i always eat, eat real healthy uh what i was i, I was trying to lose uh, i don't know if this had anything to do with it or not uh, but just trying to lose, I was cutting back like to no carbs and was just eating, you know, the fucking meat and stuff like that, uh, to try and get that quick, um, that quick weight loss where, you know, like if you're doing that keto or Adkins diet or whatever, and you're just eating like meat and cheese, um, uh, for say like a few weeks, you'll lose like a fucking shitload of weight really fast. And, and it's, it's the one way that, you know, you lose it and you don't get you don't get discouraged because it comes off really fast. You might lose like fucking 20 pounds and in, in like uh, three or four weeks, but it's not good for you. And I've, I've done it. I've done it one time before and I lost like uh, I think f- probably well, like I said, a little over 20 pounds in in probably I would say maybe like a month. And, uh, but it's, it's really, you're like, man, look, I'm, I'm losing so much weight, but it's not good for you. <coughs> and the doctor even told me <coughs> when I was telling him 
Uh, he said, you know, it's not good for you. But I usually eat really healthy. It's just a question of if you're eating carbs, to eat good carbs. Like uh, I love raw broccoli. I love, you know, I always talk about eating spinach. I love raw spinach. Uh, and then like this guacamole is supposed to be really good for your heart. And I think I need to start thinking more about that. Even like I said, did I eat healthy anyway? And I'm, I'm actually thinking about, you know, cutting out the the meat. Although here lately I have been eating like some fish and uh, at least, you know, they say maybe only eat it like once a week or something. But I, I was thinking about that the other day when I was eating fish. I was like, man, maybe I better, <laughs> you know, with, with not only with the mercury, but with like uh, the uh, fucking um, radiation and shit from like Fukushima and then the Russians just launched this missile. They won't say what the fuck's going on, but it, they, they're speculating that they were trying a nuclear fusion-powered missile. Not, you know, I'm sure it was probably a nuclear missile, but, you know, the actual power to fuel it was nuclear fission. The fucking thing crashed in the ocean. And so now they're trying to figure out how can we get this goddamn fucking thing out of the ocean. It's basically a nuclear reactor. And all kinds of weird shit's going on. So with that, with Fukushima and, you know, radiation in the water and every stuff and the ocean and stuff. So anyway, I'm trying to, you know, eat as healthy as I can. I've lost a little bit of weight now. And like I said, I, I think that might have something to do also with getting the blood pressure down because I'm sleeping. When I go to sleep, when I fall asleep, I wake up six, seven, eight hours later. It's not like I'm fucking falling asleep for an hour or two waking up for three or four hours then falling back to sleep for a couple hours. And, you know, that's just not good for you. You don't get that good REM sleep and everything. And, and, you know, you always have, you have to think too, when, when you're, when you are sleeping, you're not eating. (laughs) So if you sleep a good eight hours and you get in that good REM sleep and everything, uh, the drift or whatever, um, you're not, you're not eating. And I know a lot of times if I come home and I fall asleep and I, and I fall asleep for like half an hour, 45 minutes, I can't keep my eyes open. And then I wake up, then I sit around and, you know, fucking get some nachos or get this or that or whatever. And I'm just fucking eating, you know, so I'm trying to lose and I feel a lot better. Blood pressure's down. The you know the those worries go uh, go away when you have that. And I'm exercising and stuff, which I like. I said I always do anyway. It's just over that. I think it was because the blood pressure was up. I really I would do some exercise while I was at work, but um, when I'd come home, I wasn't doing shit, and I wasn't going. I wasn't riding my motorcycle. I didn't All I wanted to do was just lay around and do nothing. So getting that back on track, watching some movies, and you know another thing. I had been telling you guys before that for a long time, you know, I'd say, oh, I haven't watched that many movies or whatever because I would come home and I would put it on YouTube on my TV, on my Roku, and then I would just watch, like, clips and YouTube clips of different things, like those eating things where the guys will, you know, oh, I'm going to eat the hottest fucking hot sauce or I'm going to go to this restaurant and do this eating challenge where if I can eat this much stuff in 10 minutes or whatever, and then the ones where the guy has the fart machine and walk around Walmart and fart on people or, or, you know, documentaries, you know, about like serial killers or mobsters or football things or, re- of course, wrestling and wrestling interviews and wrestling matches and shit like that. Now I'm almost getting burned out on YouTube because, number one, they're doing a lot of shit on there that's kind of crappy as far as demonetizing people and promoting more of the... Um, 
mainstream stuff, news and stuff like that, like CBS, NBC, Fox News, a, uh, uh, ABC, CNN, things like that, promoting their stuff over um, uh, the independent um, news and media. Even the, you know, like even the funny stuff or uh, they're demonetizing stuff for violence, like uh, some of the wrestling stuff or, you know, if somebody's doing silly stunts or even like uh, some of the some of the stupid moronic things that I watch for amusement, uh, like the guys that are eating, you know, if I can eat so many hot dogs in 10 minutes or this stuff with the hottest peppers or whatever, if they swear you know, they'll demonetize their fucking, their show or whatever. So it's kind of shitty. Um, so now everybody's looking for alternate, um, alternate, um, platforms to put their stuff on. Um, I'm not so much worried about that because like I said, silver and gold, you know, I've thought about doing like some kind of video and putting it like Terry Frost is now doing his videos for YouTube and they're really good. I really enjoy them. Um, and it be it would be cool because I've seen people get on there. You have to get that, you know, catch that following where something you do, you know, you you develop a following. That's all, I mean, like Joe Rogan was fucking comedian and everything, but then he got on there and and Adam Carolla the same way. And they just if, if they develop, and of course they were famous to start with, but you develop a following. I mean, people weren't getting on Joe Rogan's podcast because he was a comedian he he got involved with the mma so he's fam famous people on there and interviewing him and he, he had to get to a certain level to start doing that so you know and and you know he he had fear factor and and things like that but i think so people to get him on some of these he would get some of these right wing you know uh political people on there and and uh that say provocative things and uh outrageous or um um just make comments and their views are very um, controversial so he would get a lot of, of, of views and then of course that spreads and then you start making money I've never even thought about that I've never thought my sister even said one time you know with me and Loaf she said well why don't you guys do like a uh, Patreon or something like that and see if you can get people to donate and everything and I, I've, I've just never been really interested to do that at all, you know, to, and nothing that there's anything wrong. Cause a lot of our friends have the Patreon accounts that say, Hey, you know, if you can donate this much, it'd be helpful, this and that. And that's great. You know, I, it, maybe we should do it. I don't know, but I've just never even thought about it. I just, you know, don't really, I just do this for, uh, my own enjoyment. And, you know, you guys that listen that say, Hey man, you know, I love listening to the show or, you know, when you put out the next episode, that's what keeps me going. Cause we're, it's more like, we're friends and we talk every day. And when I, you know, put this out, you know, it's like, I'm just talking to my buds. So I don't, I, I just don't think about it like that. And, uh, <clears throat> but like I said, I had, I had thought about like doing some kind of a movie review or something like that, or, you know, on YouTube and putting out like a 10 minute or however long clip or whatever. But I have a phobia about putting my picture. I've developed one <laughs> on the internet. I don't know why. Um, I have posted pictures on there and I'll like, uh, we had like a little family reunion here recently and I went to put some of the pictures on, 
on my Facebook page and I put them up and then I just took them right down. I'll go in the other room and I'll sit there. Maybe they, they might not even be up a day. They might not be up an hour. They might not be up 10 minutes. And I'll just think to myself, fuck me. And I don't want, I, I don't want my picture on the, I, I don't know what it is. Um, so I actually thought about doing it with like a, a Lucha Libre mask on or doing like a GoPro thing, put it on my motorcycle and just ha- uh, you, you see where the motorcycle is going while I. OK, I wondered if it was working. All of a sudden, everything just paused on the uh, thing I was watching. There. OK, let's get back to the movies. We talked about uh, YouTube and that kind of crap. But what I was going to say was I'm kind of getting bored with that. And so then when I found um, Netflix really wasn't doing it for me to sit down and find something on Netflix and watch at home. Uh, because, but when I found that Tubi and the Prime and of course that channel, this and things like that, I can find movies on there that are older movies that really, maybe stuff that I've already seen or maybe things that have passed me by. And I'm like, well, fuck, I like uh, Richard Gere or I like, uh, you know, Gregory Hines or something like that. Eve of destruction. I was just thinking about that because I put a post up on gentleman's guide about, uh, Terminator three. I was uh, I I got the um, Painkiller Jane, the first season of that, and I think probably the only season. Uh, and Chris, uh, Chris Christiana Loken uh, is the star of that series, and I, wa- I I don't even think I watched one episode. I watched maybe like half of it, but for some reason I was thinking about her, and I put up on Gentleman's Guide, you know, what do you think about Terminator Three? And it started, for some reason, it flashed in my head that movie Eve of Destruction that stars Gregory Hines. And it had a female, like, kind of robot android that went out of control. And then he is a government agent that they get to go stop her, hunt her down or whatever, artificial intelligence. And I started thinking, I wonder if this fucking movie, which is an old movie with Gregory Hines, if it is actually more entertaining than Terminator 3, because I really wasn't that impressed with Terminator 3 or any of the other ones after 2. So anyway, I brought that up, but I just happened to get on YouTube. And that's another thing about YouTube, though. You can get on there and you can find uh, full length movies that are really good quality, which I reviewed a couple of them here coming or I'm going to talk about here coming up. So you can find stuff on there. But as far as the little five, ten minute clips and stuff on YouTube, you know, that I have been watching, taking up a lot of my time just while I'm sitting there doing nothing. I'm kind of just getting bored with that and going back to finding full length movies and sitting there and watching them. So we'll, we'll get some more movies going on. And I have a li- nice list here. How many, how many minutes we got? Like I said, when I was just sitting here a minute ago talking, all of a sudden everything kind of looked like it locked up and it did it again. It just it just paused it just paused again and locked up again. And I just left it running and it started back up by itself. So I think it's it's probably I mean it's definitely just the computer. But um so maybe we better get moving. <laughs> Let's see here. And get my screen back up where I can see what I was talking about. I wanna make sure I keep the uh recording app up here so I can see make sure it's still working I hate to sit here and talk and then the goddamn thing's not working but anyway I watched um, from 2012 this is another rewatch uh, 10 timer till paradise uh, which is also known as teddy bear and uh, this is another one that I had watched before that I really liked um, 
It was directed by Mads Mathiason and um, stars Kim Cold and Elizabeth Steentoft. Lemai Porn Sangmani Ugrad. Ugard. Um, and this is the movie. Um, it's about this uh, guy who is a bodybuilding enthusiast. He's a real big bodybuilder, but he works as like a bouncer at a bar. They don't show too much about the bouncing and stuff like that, but his passion is is bodybuilding, but he's very uh, kind of shy and, and uh, um, awkward as far as meeting women. I don't, and I, that, you know, I've read a lot about like, uh, people say that a lot of guys that are into bodybuilding, they're secretly very insecure deep down. And that's why they have almost that body dysmorphia kind of a thing going on. And some of them, uh, project overly project a arrogance or a macho thing because deep down they're just like a little guy who's maybe insecure but then pump themselves up to get that attention but not only that but almost like as a defense mechanism kind of a thing or or whatever so anyway the main character in this is very he lives with his elderly mother and he's middle age i think he's like 40 something and um but his this thing is locked and it hang on a second let me let me try something here real quick I was running a scan um, security thing going on there so maybe that's maybe it was taking up a lot of um, like I said it's an old computer but anyway so uh, one of his friends or a relative or whatever had went to Thailand and you know met a wife whenever they're specifically on a dating thing to go meet a wife to bring back. And, you know, he was a little like a little skinny poindexter kind of a guy, especially compared to the, uh, the main guy in this who's played by Kim cold. Um, so he tells, um, him, you know, he goes, well, you need to go over there if you want to find a good woman, because you know, over here there, you know, he's talking about like, um, Oh, just like I, you know, you hear a lot of guys say, oh, they, they go to Mexico or whatever to to meet a bride. <coughs> um, you know, you need to find somebody from Thailand or somebody from Mexico or, or, you know, China or wherever, because these women over here, you know, they're, they're too independent and too liberal and they, they just want to, you know, they'll drive you crazy. So find somebody who's, they're more subservient and, you know, know how to take care of a man or whatever is what they'll say. So he goes over there, and and it it really is a a nice and kind of a tender, um, and then ends up being you know kind of a romantic movie. But you have that relationship between him and his mother, and his mother he has almost become like the husband like figure to his mother who's like a senior citizen, and then the dynamic of of her, him almost having to hide things from her. Because for her own good, because he knows that she won't like it and give him shit, and it will, and, and not only that, but it'll hurt hurt her and hurt her feelings. Uh, and even meeting a, a woman and bringing her back there, you know, it's like, oh my god, you know, how's mom gonna, you know, what's she gonna think about this? Because then she will try and sabotage anything because she'll be afraid that she'll lose him 
because that's all she has is him. And he takes care of her. And when he gets ready to go to work, he gets up and she fixes him his dinner, you know, breakfast or dinner or whatever, supper or whatever. And um, so, but anyway, I really like this movie. It's become like a, a, a personal favorite. So if you haven't seen Teddy Bear from 2012, give it a look. It's it's a really, it's a low budget movie, but it's really good. And uh, also it's, um, there are parts of it that are um, subtitled, but not a lot. Um because he's, um, for the most part, he speaks English. And when he goes to Thailand, uh, they all speak English. The only parts uh, at the beginning um, when he is just with his mother and then uh, when they just have like a family get together, um, they're not speaking English. But for, for I would say probably 90% of the movie is all in English. Very good movie. And let's find the next thing. I'm worried about this thing. I gotta go get my hot dogs and cookies and popcorn and whatever else. Uh, what else we got here? And maybe when I'm there, I ought to look into buying a new fucking computer. Eh? And it's even now just switching back between pages. It's slow as fucking shit. I watched Funeral in Berlin with Michael Caine from 1966 and this was directed by Guy Hamilton uh and written by Len uh Dighton and even or Evan Jones and stars Michael Caine, Oscar Homolka, uh Paul Hubschmand. Uh who else is in this song bitch? Anybody I know? I don't see any famous I mean I'm sure they're famous but not to me. Uh I really like this. Um um, this was a there was a series of uh, it's Harry Palmer movies, uh, and as somebody said on the group, I think this was kind of a um, anti James Bond kind of a character, an anti James Bond kind of a, of uh, movies with Harry Palmer, uh, more realistic, more gritty, and kind of not not they don't go as far as um, say like Tinker Tailor, um, or the. Jean Lacare, it's kind of like a a um, comfortable uh, in between between Jean Lacare spy movies or George Smiley movies and uh, or, or novels and um, and James Bond. So it's kind of in between. Uh, still has a lot uh, more entertainment, um, but more realistic. Uh, not quite as just uh, whereas Jean Lacare, a lot of people don't like his spy movies and stuff like that because they are very realistic, which they have a lot of mundane stuff and it's a lot of dialogue. It's not a lot of uh, judo chops and uh, hats that have uh, fucking steel brims that can cut your head off or, uh, you know, uh, chase scenes and things like that. But this is really good. I really enjoyed it. And I want to watch some other um, Harry Palmer movies and Michael Caine is always good. Uh, but I want to find some other ones with that character uh, to check out because I think, you know, he did uh, a few of those back in this time, 1966. But then also, I believe from what I read that, uh, you know, now that he's older in the, I don't know when, but that he revised the character, you know, when he was, you know, older. So I want to check those out too. So anyway, I liked it. And some people, you know, uh, expressed that they did not like Funeral in Berlin that much. 
but I did dig it. And now I'm paranoid about the goddamn fucking thing recording. Okay, I watched uh, 1989's Next of Kin, uh, starring Patrick Swayze, Liam Neeson, Bill, or, uh, Bill Paxton, and uh, what's his name? What's that asshole's name? Adam Baldwin, who's kind of an asshole in real life. And that's why he plays such a good asshole in movies. Helen Hunt, um, Ben Stiller, Michael J. Pollard, Ted Levine, I like him. Um, I rewatched this one and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more once. And I hate to say this because I like Bill Paxton, but I thought he was really crappy in this at the beginning, uh, his accent and how he, you know, it was just bad. And I just didn't think it was that good. Um, I don't know. You know, he kind of plays, um, Patrick Swayze's little younger, uh, redneck brother who has moved to Chicago and just don't fit in and I'm going to go and as soon as I get enough money I'm going back and buy myself a coal truck and but I mean that accent that I just did is better than what Bill Paxton did and I know he's I think he's from Texas but he just did not do the uh, the the Kentucky or West Virginia or whatever accent that, you know it just Swayze it's almost like when people overdo the um, the Boston accent but then when you hear somebody do the subtle, you know, do it subtly, it's way better. Like in Friends of Eddie Coyle, I've heard people, and, and I'm sure there's different neighborhoods and there's different sections of Boston or up there that where, you know, but I think I, I have actually even read that where, you know, like when you see uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Ben Affleck, uh, Matt Damon and these guys, and, and or uh, uh, um, what's his face, that fucking uh, Marky Mark, and they, they're overdoing that Boston accent so bad that it's just that has turned me off to fucking movies uh, that those guys are in when they do it so hard that it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, it's annoying. But then you watch Friends of Eddie Coyle and I've heard people that were from that area up there that say, if you want to watch a movie that has a realistic Boston accent, watch Friends of Eddie Coyle. It's it's way more subtle, but it's it's so much better. But then I've also heard people say, well, you know, it just depends on where you're, what part you're in. And I guess it would be like in England. If you have, uh, say somebody speaking like, uh, um, you know, strict, the queen's English that live in, you know, the, the say like one of the, uh, uh, a prince or something like that. And then you have somebody with a Cockney accent or Michael Caine or whatever, you know, you have different, I don't know, but uh, Bill Paxton just annoyed the fuck out of me at the beginning of this. And when I first saw this, I thought Liam Neeson's accent was pretty bad too. But this time, once Paxton Paxton's out of the way, I really enjoyed this, and I thought it was really good. I thought Swayze was excellent, even some of the stupid because it is an '80s movie. It's on the verge of being a '90s movie, but I just enjoyed it. it like when he's chasing Helen Hunt around, and he says, "You know, uh, oh." Um, Oh God damn it, I can't remember what the saying is now when he's playing the playing the fiddle or whatever and he starts with no shirt on, he chases her up the steps because he's gonna fuck her. <laughs> but I enjoyed this one. I really did. I thought, man, this is really good. I'd like to watch it again. And maybe it's because of Swayze, I don't know, but I thought it was pretty good. Um Let's see. King and Country from nineteen sixty four. Uh this is uh stars Dirk Bogard, who I like, uh Tom uh Courtney. Uh, Leon McCarn. Who else is in this that I know? Barry Foster. 
Oh, Barry Justice. Now that's a name. Um, let's see. But this is really good. I, of course, I like Dirk, Dirk Bogard. I've said that on the show many times before. It's directed by Joseph Losey, Lose, uh, and uh, written by Evan Jones and John Wilson. And this, this was a play. And I can see where it, it could be a play. Um, basically, what this is about is a, it takes place in uh, World War One, And if you've seen Passive Glory, uh, sort of the same setting where they're in the trenches and, you know, you have the, the, uh, the, the bunkers dug out for, you know, the people to sleep in and the executives to have their like offices in or whatever. And, um, Tom Courtney, um, is a deserter and the whole movie revolves around him. Um, Dirk Bogart, they, assign him to be his defense. And so he interviews Tom Courtney and is like, you know, well, you know, what happened? Why did you just walk away from your post or from combat or whatever? And, um, kind of like trying to decide whether he's nuts or if it's nuts to even walk away, or if it was a deal where he just needed a break because I mean, they're going to put him to death if they find him guilty of being a deserter. And they come up with uh, some different scenarios like, hey, you know, hey, nobody even tried to stop. He just started walking and people saw him and they just didn't even try and stop him. Or it's an interesting little movie. And like I said, I did not know it was a play until I just read that. But I can see for sure um, how it would be and how it could play out and everything. I thought it was really good. Um, again, a companion piece, uh, definitely a good companion piece would be passive glory because it's you know those guys were accused of cowardice and and uh, you know they're on trial too sort of the same kind of a thing going on here with Dirk Bogart in the uh, um, kind of the Kirk Douglas role and then you have of course he's going up against the system and somebody has to pay the piper and uh you know the heads a head needs to roll and it's just part of that bureaucracy that you know even though this is a human being and even though um he's being asked to do uh horrible things that no human would want to do and has seen things that would shatter a person uh you know is it wrong or was he leaving and taking off and never coming back or did he just need a fucking is he shell-shocked is he mentally ill whatever so it's a pretty good movie i liked it (laughs) nice review dr zam um i think i'm gonna pause this and go to the store go in and uh, get cleaned up a little bit and go to the store and get my stuff because i'd like to go before people are out it is now six o'clock in the morning and if i go now i can get there before people start coming and I don't have to see anybody, and I can get my stuff, get in, get out, get back, finish recording, and um, get back with Yin's guys. And hopefully this thing, this computer, maybe when I'm there I will look at a laptop or something or look at a, a new computer. All I use this computer for, I use my iPad for everything, all I use this computer for is podcasting. So, you know, I don't need anything really expensive or really elaborate. I just need something that I can put this recording app on and bring up my IMDB and that's it. (laughs) So, you know, um, we'll see, but I'm going to pause now and, uh, maybe go do that. And then again, so, cause I'm an hour and a half in and, um, 
you know, I don't want this to be, uh, you know, I guess if I was sensible, some people only put out an hour show or maybe a half hour or whatever. Uh, I, I, I don't expect another eight or five hour show, but, um, you know, we're only an hour and a half in and I, I still have, let's see, uh, not a lot more, probably another half hour to go. Uh, and then we got a lot of feedback that we got to take care of. So let me go and do that and uh, I'll be back with you and uh, we'll finish up with some more movies, a few TV shows, maybe some comics and some feedback, answering feedback questions. (laughs) 